Welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 39 here on Thursday, June 3rd. It's going to be a quick one this week because we're late for lunch. We're late for lunch, as usual. Let's be honest. Uh, This is Tom Pyle, your co-host. This is Mike McKenna. Not, not, not Lou Gehrig. So it's not Lou Gehrig's day or Mike McKenna's day. It's just, that's it. Ah, Lou Gehrig, the iron horse. Yeah, you know, only, only, only marketing geniuses could be like, hey, we have the most recognizable disease in the United States and want to change the name. We need to change the name. It can't be Lou Gehrig's disease. Because that's, is that racist? (laughs) I don't know why they Is want that to change it. Discriminatory. I, I don't. I think know. they're. I think they don't like be, like it being named after a specific guy. Which I'm like, seriously, everybody knows what it yeah. is. It's now, wasn't that the uh, the ice bucket challenge disease from several years back? I think I so. Recall. I don't know. Did you take the ice bucket challenge where where you had to dump an ice bucket we, over yeah, your head I don't or something? Remember if we did. I think we probably did that. It seems ridiculous. I prefer the 22 push-ups challenge from a couple of years back. There's a you had to do 22 push-ups for each, I don't know, 22 veterans kill themselves every day, I think. Yeah, that sounds about oh, right. Oh, I think I remember that, too. Yeah, so the 22 push-ups were going around, and you know, my, my son, of course, challenged me immediately. I'm like, you're, I'm, you're, I'm like, I'll do 700, punk. Yeah, did you make it? To 22, yeah. Did you do 700? No, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, okay, what are you, are you drunk? I think I could probably do 22 push-ups right now. I don't think I could have said that uh, six months ago. That's right. Sports fans, you're not here in the studio with the newest Felter, <laughs> Tom Pyle. He's, he's, he's lost about 30 pounds, and he's looking lean and mean. Lean and mean. I don't – I told you that I don't want to do COVID anymore, but I But you I lied. But you it. lied. I got to do it. You lied to me. I got to do it. I have to do this. Uh, the <laughs> famous Fauci emails. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to those. Okay, yeah, we pu- I've already t- oh, you take, perused I've them? already perused some of them am, am for I, you. Am I in them? Mm, I haven't seen your name. Okay, yet. good. Uh, <laughs> Keep going. But I I do because this is now the third week in a row that I I want to chat just ever so briefly about the um, gain uh, 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 gain of function gain of function. And the Wuhan Laboratory, uh, the Institute of Virology, which, you know, as if it's like radical speculation that something happened in the lab, right, in the, in Wuhan, where this thing originated. Um, apparently, as early as January of 2020, late mm-hmm. January in 2020, Dr. Fauci heard from immunology and microbiology experts, including one Chris... Christian Anderson, that COVID-19 potentially quote-unquote looked engineered and was quote-unquote inconsistent with expectations from the evolutionary I'm sorry, when? Early January? January 31st. Yeah, let me, let me, probably a TikTok on this helps a little bit. Um, The, the, um, the virus started to show up, the news about the virus started to show up in, um, news about cases on the virus started to show up in the presidential daily briefings in December. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first case in the United States was at SeaTac Airport, right? Seattle mm-hmm. Airport on yes. January 16th, right? Yes. So important to have a, important to have a sense of how early that was, right? 31st was pretty early, pretty yes. early. Pretty early. Okay. So on February 1st, Dr. Fauci forwarded an article from Science about the coronavirus genomes to the NA, 
NIAID Principal Deputy Director, yeah. Dr. Hugh Aachen, Aachenkloss. I'm going to butcher that name. Yeah. The magazine article quotes NIAID virologist Vincent Munster saying, quote, there's a very large gray area between viruses detected in bats and the virus now isolated in humans. Dr. Fauci also forwarded Dr. Eichenkloss what appears to be an article from Nature Medicine, co-authored by another doctor, Shi Zhengli of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The next day, on February twenty, on February first, Dr. Fauci exchanged emails with Dr. Alkenkloss about the timing of gain-of-function research and grant funding at the NIH. And lastly, in April, April 18th and 19th, uh, which was my birthday, April 19th, Dr. Fauci exchanged emails with a gentleman named Peter Daszak, the president of EcoHealth Alliance, which was the NIH grantee that provided funds to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, about downplaying the possibility that the COVID-19 virus started as an accidental lab leak. And he basically said, attaboy for downplaying the leak theory on a national television interview. Yeah. Now, again, uh, what does it mean? What does it matter? What does it mean? We, we don't know. But the fact that he was so adamant about it in a congressional hearing with Dr. Paul, Senator Paul, and then a week later, as we discussed yesterday, was like, well, of course we would have done that. Now, he can technically say he wasn't a flat out lying because he could didn't I mean they didn't fund it directly, but it was an eco group, uh, eco health alliance, which has got to be part of this web of environmental groups, that the the funds were routed from NIH to do this research. Yeah. So, I, I just I, I don't think this matters. In the, in the scheme of things, the people who love Fauci are still going to love Fauci. In fact, this morning he was on a, an interview at MSNBC. Didn't bring any of this up at all. I was going to say. Didn't I, bring I, any of this up at all and said, wow, Dr. Fauci, your emails, you're even cool. as You're just as cool in your emails as you as you are in person was basically yeah. the, the crux of the interview. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, House Energy and Commerce has been having it, has been doing an investigation on this now. Yeah, for, I pulled a lot of this from the Commerce Committee. Yeah, folks, yeah, yeah. So, it's been doing thank this. you. They've been on it for 60 days. The amount of redaction in the emails that I've seen indicates to me that uh, there's some, there's going to be some problems here. Well, there's also a type of redaction that friends of ours who do this for a living said refers, hadn't seen before. So they looked it up and it refers to, Information that has to be omitted because it could potentially impact the outcome of a pending investigation. Yeah. It. it okay. Yeah. That. That. So. And this is the one with the eco health guy. Yeah. The. We we've said this before. I'll say it again. I have a lot of confidence. I have a lot of confidence in the legal system in this country. Um, I have almost no confidence in in any other governmental um, institutions. This is going to get ground down to a pretty fine point because we got 600,000 dead across two administrations and everybody's got blood on their hands, everybody. And I don't see how we don't and, – and this thing, the origin story of this thing, the origin story of the origin story was that there was initially – I don't know how to say this any nicer way than I'm about to, 
there was a cover-up initially, right, by the media. Now, that, that, these guys are talking wild conspiracy theories. It's been debunked and blah, 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 blah. And it was swept under the rug. And that makes everybody's appetite for the truth a lot sharper, right? Um, so I, I, I don't know what happened. Um, and I don't think I don't think anybody knows. Well, and obviously some people know. I don't think most people know what happened. But six months from now, we're all going to know what happened here. Who who gave what to who, and who knew what when, and and what decisions were made, and you know what was the um, status of intentionality, right? Yeah. Okay. It, these it, are all important questions to answer. But but another really important thing to point out here. This is obvious. But the media's desire to obsess over everything Trump. Yeah, man. And to oppose everything that, you know, Donald Trump did or said. Yeah. Is dangerous at this point. And to the point where they're covering up whether direct, whether just because Trump said X, we say Y, or deliberately is 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 not only a disservice to the public; it's become dangerous. Well, at this point, I mean, leave aside everything. Yeah, it is. And let me just say, yeah. Um, let me also say that um, it's bad for the media. I mean, you know, the f you probably missed it in all the maelstrom of this week. But the Washington Post swept the fifteen-month story, the fifteen-month-old story, where they said, "Ah, you know, C Tom Cotton is pitching conspiracy theories that have been debunked." They changed the headline on it. They acknowledged, they, they acknowledged, you know, they acknowledged an error. They changed the headline, but they didn't say, hey, we made a mistake here, right? Well, this is the third time now that either well, the gray lady or the Washington Post has it, done it, a major, 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 major U-turn well, on a significant okay. story. See, it's not even that. It's, it's, it's not even that, although that's really bad, right? The idea that you don't acknowledge mistakes, you know, you just correct them and you don't say, hey, we made a mistake. The lady who the lady who's the beat reporter for the New York Times on this thing, as recently as two weeks ago, said that this thing. Um, I'm going to get this wrong, but she said it 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 was based in racism, and that's the kind of thing that these guys in the media they don't get. It just undermines their credibility. A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, is a reporter for the New York Times. Not on my beats. Um, you know, she and I got to be friends um, when I was in the big house. Um, we had lunch a couple of weeks ago, and you know, she, oh, I read all your columns. You know, I'm like, yeah, I, I read your stuff sometimes. Um, and she says, why? Why don't you read it more often? I'm like, I, why would anybody read the New York Times? I said, I already know what you're going to say. I know what it's going to be. You know, I mean, you get a great market, but you don't grow it at all. And more importantly, you, you, you compromise your own credibility. Yeah, like you joked about uh, on President Trump's. Running list of accomplishments, uh, <laughs> saving the failing New, New York Times. You know, I, okay. And like look I, at the media's ratings right now. Like I said, right? that was well. He he guessed wrong, right? The New York. Well, I, let me amend that. I, let me stop right there for a second. He's probably right about the New York Times, but it's hard to test. The CNN thing is a lot easier to test, and he definitely like was important to CNN and MSNBC. I mean, MSNBC is dying on the vine right now. Like it, the ratings well, went up, and now you, like some of them? those hosts are like asterisks in the ratings, which means have, they can't even count as, as statistically. And um, have you watched them recently? Significant. Have you watched them recently? I mean, they, they're just—they're always been—they've always been terrible TV. I mean, all of this stuff is terrible TV. 
but they're boring. I mean, they're just incredibly, they have nothing different to say about the world. Yeah. Anyway, so it, this Wuhan thing, we're at the start, we're not at the finish. And we're going to, and, and the thing that, the thing that Dr. Fauci is aware of, but probably doesn't have a full appreciation of is he's going to be the fulcrum of this thing for the next six or eight months. It, and he's going to get ground down by the weight of he, all of he's this. He's going to retire. He's going to retire it, before there's it not going to be there's not going to be any place to hide. You can't you can't retire. Look, let's just go worst case scenario. Worst case scenario is United States government's partially complicit in this, right? We we funded some of it. Um, that means he's partially complicit in the deaths of six hundred thousand people. You can't retire and just hide away from that stuff. People are going to find you. People are going to find you. So. Yeah, I'm looking well, forward to it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be informative. In the in, in the interim, as I mentioned, it was Nicole Wallace who swooned, literally swooned about his 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 uh, how his emails made him made him even cooler. Uh, you know, it's, it's rare when someone appears cool, but even in their emails, they're cool. Yeah, you know, so it's um, it's ridiculous. Nicole, Nicole is Nicole, um, Ms. Wallace. Excuse me, is a particularly egregious example of the sort of um, unbright person who works in the media nowadays. Fortunately, okay, fortunately, I got it out of my system. Fortunately, I got it out of my system. Not me. I have one last thing. <laughs> fortunately, she's a former Bush administration appointee, so no one's surprised. Yeah. Now I've got it out of okay, my system. Okay, good. Go I'm, glad we both, I'm glad we both dispense <laughs> with that. Uh, speaking of uh, lists of accomplishments, I have the, the anti list of accomplishments here from the Biden administration oh. presented from our by our uh, I prepared I guess by our friend Paul, Paul Teller. Teller Paul Teller let Thank me you, let me Paul. let me let me tell you something Paul running uh, Paul's running Pence's think tank what's the name of it don't know um, America we'll put it, we'll put it Americans for I Mike think I Pence I thought you were an advisor I thought you were an advisor I can't, I can't remember the names of these things there's oh, okay. so many of them anyway Paul's doing exemplary work over there um everybody yeah. should should um I will. Uh, um, I don't think I can put that in the show notes, but I want to read the the short, the long list of energy. Uh, actually, I can't. It's too long. It's too long. It's, it's a huge. Thing. Thirty-two, and the energy section. I'll just do some highlights. Rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. Eliminated yes. expedited re environmental reviews for certain high priority infrastructure projects. Gee, I wonder if that's going to help Joe Biden's big infrastructure bill. Halted energy development in the. Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Yeah, recent. Just this week. Uh, withdrew certain areas in the Bering Sea and other Arctic waters. But he did allow a, a lease sale in the in the naval... Yeah, in the naval, NPRA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is congressionally mandated. But, well, well, in all fairness, he was congressionally mandated to open up Anwar. Yes, of course. Uh, which, there, which, you know, Senator Murkowski um, noted the other day that, you know... Yes. Yeah. In, it is an, is a review, which is how they're avoiding uh, the lawsuit uh, for being filed it's for, a, for um, violating. The, again, skill is important, right? They know how to work the government, right? Reinstated uh, the Obama climate change regulations, guidance mm. documents, and reports. Yeah, yada yeah. yada. Um, issued an EO that declares the world in a climate crisis. Oh, I missed yeah. that one. 
directed the climate considerations be an essential element of U.S. foreign policy. Can you do that? Security. Can you just declare a crisis by getting up and saying it's a crisis? And created a special presidential envoy for climate. Envoy John Kerry, and ladies and gentlemen. John John Kerry. He's a huge fan of this podcast, by the way. <laughs> uh, pause new oil leases on public lands. We're still in the pause, pause by the way. Pause, pause. It's supposed to be 60 days. By we pause, we mean stop. Well in close to 120 days at this point. That's okay. Senator Harris, uh, Vice President Harris is the special envoy to the to the um, border. She hasn't had a press conference on that in whatever it's been, 80 days. Is this this is a somewhat sclerotic administration? I guess the the tone is set at the top. When you're going to when you're going home every weekend for three days, it's hard to get stuff done. Oh, but but Trump he traveled so went home so often went to Mar-a-Lago too often. So anyway, uh, so there's thank a big you, Paul you, you for should look at this all teller, one, ladies and gentlemen. One document for us, which is. Going on 50 pages at this point, and we're like 120 now that in, so. Now that Paul's out from behind the government veil, he's actually going to get stuff done. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. Okay, what do you have, my man? What do you got, anything? Um, yeah, I got I got, I got, got two things. Um, one is what we just talked about, the Anwar thing and Lisa Murkowski, mm-hmm. Senator Murkowski, right? Um, Another one of our favorite subjects. If you, if you had any doubt at all about what's going on in the infrastructure talks, um, this whole thing with Anwar and Senator Murkowski should be instructive to you. Um, Senator Murkowski has been somebody that the White House has publicly identified as someone they want to work with. This is how they work with you, ladies and gentlemen. This is how they work with you. Um, they 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 wait until you're they wait until you let your guard down, and then bam, hit you as hard as they can right in the nose. I can't think of anything that is. Um, the amount of oil and gas is, is immaterial, right? The world is the world is awash in oil. Well, there um, are some material things which we're, we're getting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, the 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 the, um, the optics of it are the relevant is relevant here, which is why the administration did it, right? They did it as a message to everybody that we're serious, and everybody out there in oil and gas land, um, and you know who I'm talking about. But in case you don't, um, the crew over at the American Petroleum Institute, you know, Bill and Frank and Mike and the rest of the Little Rascals gang over there, they're coming for you. And trying to make peace with them is not going to work. And that's the message out of Anwar and Murkowski and what happened this yeah. week. Well, Senator Murkowski clearly hasn't – her strategy with Trump hasn't seemed to work very well. Her strategy with – with Democrats hasn't seemed to work very well. For some reason, Alaska keeps getting, I'm just going to say it, screwed by the administration, by the current administration. And in spite of Lisa Murkowski, Trump did a lot for the state of Alaska, sure, man. Um, including the first president, the only president to actually get Anwar open after 35 years of of, right. of, of trying um, and move the lease sales forward. Now, the, the pause, quote unquote, <laughs> the pause. Uh, by the Biden administration. The embargo. Um, the embargo. The Biden embargo. Holds, a, holds the lawsuits back for now. But this is congressionally mandated now. It is, it is a law that the 1002 area, which is about the size of, of Dulles Airport prior to expansion, any, any recent expansions, is available for oil and gas production and now congressionally mandated. So eventually they're going to have to 
either announce that they're going to stop the leases, in which case a lawsuit can go forward, or they'll drag it out until there's somebody new who then will just undo whatever it is that Trump or whatever it is that Biden, you know, whatever I, it is that Biden I, does. Now, I only say this because I appreciate your I, I appreciate your your ridiculous fealty to the concept of a law and congressional Congress passing laws and stuff can, like that. that. The administration at this point now has become so powerful because of Congress's ineptness that they can do pretty much whatever they want. But I I point out the reason that this is so so concerning for me is is not that. Um, there isn't enough oil out there, as you mentioned, but there's a very, very, very near-term point where the Trans-Alaska Pipeline would likely have to shut down. Yeah, man. Because they're, right now, production is around 448,000 barrels a day, mm -hmm. and the TAPS at one point was carrying about 2.1 million barrels a day. Um. But it is engineered to move. It has to be warm. Oil has to constantly be moving through there. That's how it's designed yeah. and engineered. Yeah. And if it hits a certain level, it might not technically be able to continue and be, to be operable from a mechanical standpoint. But also, there's a, there's a mandate in the law that there's, passed the TAPS that says if it's no longer economically viable, yeah, it's a permit it condition. needs to shut down. It's a permit also. condition. It's a permit right. condition now. And which this by is the, a which critical. By the way, this this the the ten o two area is critical to ensure that we don't hit those levels. Well, I, I just tell you right now, as soon as the crowd figures out that it's a permit condition, it's going to end. But the only probably the only thing that's keeping them from pulling the trigger on the on the permit condition is Senator Murkowski that they don't want an active enemy, um, so they're going to take this in bits and pieces instead of all at once. That's just a guess on my part, but I can't think of any reason why they're not pulling the trigger on the permit condition right at this second. This is a – I'm starting to conclude that this is a fairly dangerous crowd. Yeah, but you say we had peak, we were at peak Biden. We so are at peak Biden. Gonna, we're at peak – look, we have to worry about? in the big scheme of life, I don't want to say this is a Mickey Mouse thing. Which one is it? In the big scheme of life, this is a Mickey Mouse thing. It's peak Biden. And now that you brought that up, let me say one other thing. Oh, no. Don't, no, not again. I want to thank Rich Lowry. Uh, for joining Jerry Baker, um, Rich, I think uh, wrote it in the National Review, but uh, maybe maybe somewhere else. Um, Jerry, of course, wrote it last week in the Wall Street Journal. Joining me, um, calling for calling that peak Biden basically has occurred. Um, you know, Rich was uh, seven weeks after I called it. Jerry was only six. So once again, if you want the actual news first, ladies and gentlemen, come to the podcast or come to my column. Because usually I say it in the podcast, and I write it in the column. Rich Lowry, Jerry Baker, thank you. Maybe next time you could mention me in your stories if you're going to steal my work. That's all. all right. Did you get it off your system? I feel a lot that, better now. Right now. Yeah. This, this, this whole thing has become getting stuff off our chest. We could we could, we could go on. Well, this I'm, whole episode. I'm kind of looking forward to which which pundit which pundit weenie is going to like write this story next week. Now that it's become a thing, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> My bet's uh, Henry Olson at the Washington Post. We'll have Post. a peak Biden watch segment for for you. You you track it, not me, because clearly you you are tracking it. <laughs> Maybe the so, only thing in Washington I watch. So uh, as of today, Americans are paying 55 percent more for a gallon of gasoline than they did one year ago. Now I can't, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. we we had already hit like lockdown, yeah, you know, man. so. 
I'll go back and look and see what it was in January. But uh, clearly gas prices are ticking up. Oil prices are ticking up. Is this increased demand or um, is this a function or a result of, of these these many, many actions, horrible actions by the Biden-Harris Increased demand. So is there is there a lag for this? Yeah, is this yeah, going to hit yeah. also? Yeah, no. Yeah, it will eventually, right? There's a lag on it. It won't hit right away, but but there will be it will hit. Um, and you know, we're there's some serious risk floating around the system, right? It it it's the um the the risk on the production side is one thing. The risk on the regulatory side is another, right? You know, the 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 Biden EPA could do something terrible on the RFS tomorrow morning, right? They could reset it and um turn us into California. Um, the, the, um, the risk on the, on the international side is legitimate as well, right? Um, these, this administration could very easily get us into a situation in the Middle East where we have real problems with, with supply chains there. I could imagine a world in which gas goes to four bucks and, and the administration starts to get super nervous about all this stuff. And you know, the one thing they're not going to ever do is unkink production here in the States, right? Once, once, this, once this stuff goes offline, they're never putting it back online. That pause, I'm looking for the right word on the pause. Embargo is the best thing I can think of, right? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm super concerned about it. And I'm super concerned out of the corner of my eye about EPA and, and RFS, right? Because that's a low-carbon fuel standard waiting to happen or it's an EV mandate waiting to happen. And so is CAFE, right? Um, both of them are run out of EPA now, which means Gina McCarthy's running them out of the West Wing. I, mean, I guess Gina's over in the... Eisenhower Executive Office building doesn't matter, right? You know, it it's there's a lot of bad mojo floating around in the system. Eventually, it's going to land places. In the meantime, the uh, the the folks in the patch are going to not they're not going to be overly upset about it. Uh, I think they're I, I've seen the rig counts. They're not yeah man they're rushing not, yeah to to I think they're they're being measured uh, about production levels uh, no, collectively as, yeah. a, as a as a market. That's right, which I think is smart. Um, well, I mean, they've had it. Most of those guys have had a near-death experience, right? Right. They're not in any big hurry, um, and, and I suspect they're kind of worried about all the stuff I'm worried about, right? All the all the um, unknowns floating around out there in the system that are none of the unknowns are positive, um, and there are a lot of them. So the methane thing for, for nothing else, right? It, it's not clear what these guys are going to do about that. So. Yeah, and and everything is like, oh, how do we do manage in this sort of environment with you know the priority being carbon constrained and yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, uh, for all you know, there's going to wind up being more money in carbon capture than there is in gas. Yeah, I, I, just, <laughs> I don't think so because the greens think are about now all, already pivoting away from that. Right? The carbon like, capture. Whenever, sure. when, whenever uh, they they don't like. I'll just give you a perfect example. Rahm Emanuel introduced the first subsidy for natural gas vehicles when he was in the in the Cong in the House. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> that was before the Shell Revolution, and yeah, man. everyone was saying there'll never be enough gas anyway. We're so going to be natural gas it, vehicles. Right? Why worry about it? Sure. So, and that was his, you know nod or his bone to the you know sure. to, so to anytime the anytime time. somebody complained about it he's like, right oh, yeah, no i support this legislation gas. and then when we were swimming in it uh they changed their tune right away so the goalpost always moves with with big green i'm in favor of that to be honest with you because the, you know the the it it's gotten rid of the carbon taxes an idea i mean the only guy left pitching that is alex flint 
And then those four Mike Summers and those at API, right, you know, but these, he won't name a price. All these chuckleheads are like, "Hey, this we we come out in favor of carbon tax." Yeah. And then, of course, the four sad, lonely Republican senators who are theoretically talking about this stuff. Um, it, it's great. So, carbon tax, right? Same thing. If it comes to carbon capture, that'll be fine too, because I there's no way it can happen at scale. Absent some ginormous government program like you know the size of the Department of Defense, right? So, at fifty bucks a ton, at fifty bucks a ton, we need three hundred billion dollars a year. Um, just you know, somebody would need three hundred billion dollars a year to, to capture all the carbon. And by the way, that's just the price for the carbon itself. Forget the pipes yeah. and the again, storage. Again, though, if this is an existential threat to humanity, <laughs> let's do the it. price of carbon. Needs to be over three hundred dollars a ton. I would think it, if it's an existential threat, it's right. It, so what would you, you know? Be, I used to ask this question. It should be a complete and total lockdown. I think uh, Kreutzer said that it, to meet the 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 Greens' goals for for carbon reduction, we have to have five COVID lockdowns. Yeah, I, I right. I, this, I mean, we if we're gonna die, we need to we we need to suffer in order to save the human. Save the I human agree. Race. I mean, if it's a, it, it, I think of it as an existential threat. That's why I walk everywhere. I know you're very healthy. Um, all right, very, so I'm a very, and I don't, I don't, except for all this gear here and the plastic bottle in front of me, I don't use anything <laughs> made with oil and gas, <laughs> and my phone. Oh, and those and my note uh, card and the lubricants <laughs> in the windmills. Don't forget those and some chunks of my sneakers. <laughs> <laughs> and this table. Wait, what else? Probably, we're probably going to need power for the for the forge, for the steel and the silverware we're going to use at lunch. <laughs> Just a guess. It's all an existential right. threat, Tom. All right. Biden is working hard to close the racial wealth gap. Yeah. The racial wealth gap. And I saw that. He speaks eloquently about the disparity between white entrepreneurs and black entrepreneurs. Shall I play a clip? I know a clip you're going to play. Okay. And the answer is yes, you should. All right, I shall then. <laughs> that, the data shows young black entrepreneurs are just as capable of succeeding given the chance as white entrepreneurs are. But they don't have lawyers. They don't have, they, they, they don't have accountants. But they have great ideas. Does anyone doubt this whole nation would be better off? from the investments those people make, and I promise you, that's why I set up the National Small Business Administration that's much broader, because they're going to get those loans. That, the data shows. Data shows. Black entrepreneurs are... Okay, sorry. Sorry for the repeat there. I, I mean, he's... Nobody cringes. Oh, everybody cringes. Everybody at that. cringes, but nobody. Everybody like, cringed at that. I, I think, I think, I, I do think. This it, goes back to when he, he asked a reporter who asked him about a competency test. If he, come on, man. Do I want to test you for crack cocaine? It, it, um, this is, I, there has been some pushback finally about this stuff, right? Where people have been like, Hey man, come on. Um, it, to borrow, to borrow from the I mean, president, come on. He's been jagging man. on the, he's been doing the same gaff for 20 years. Oh, he's terrible. In a different, in various yeah, versions. Yeah, no, it, 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 I'm waiting for the Washington Post fact checker to get at this thing because I want to see how they frame it up and try to apologize for it. Um, I have no idea what he's talking about. I literally, you know, he's just 
Half the time, I have no idea what he's talking about. But this is actually a serious policy thing. I have no idea what he's talking about. And the thing is, is the underlying policy that he's proposed, right, that that we somehow differently advantage uh, black entrepreneurs through the Small Business Administration is clearly a violation of the Civil Rights Act. <laughs> clearly a violation. <laughs> the guy is just, just incredible. you know, I, I, I'm starting again. I, I've said this like three or four weeks in a row now, but let me just come at it again. I have respect for these guys. I think they're solid professionals. But I kind of starting to wonder if they're just not paying attention to stuff, just checking just basic things like, hey, we're going to go to Tulsa and we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about black entrepreneurs and we're going to announce this program that's clearly against the law. And nobody said, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. I mean, nobody, nobody in the train said, are you sure we should do that? Because I don't think, I don't think that's legal. It. And then you get, you know, then he gets up and says, that's why I put this program together so you guys can all get accounts and lawyers. <laughs> can you imagine? I just like, it's ridiculous. Can you imagine if a Republican said that? Oh, my God. Any Republican. Name one. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. No, I can't, truthfully, I can't even imagine if any Democrat said it who wasn't this and guy. And also, like, you, who, like, who, it, it, who is the only, I mean. I couldn't even think of that. I couldn't even think that phrase. I didn't even understand that phrase. So I could, obviously couldn't think of it because I'm like, they really? Because I know accountants and lawyers. And um, they Janine are. Varelli, do you know her? No. She's a conservative commentator. She's on like the Foxes. She's uh, on the circuit. African American. Uh, she, she said, think? according to Joe Biden, I'm not black. <laughs> she tweeted the, the clip. Well, so. I mean, he did. Well, you know, it. I mean, he did that. You know, if you if you're going to vote for Trump, you're not black. Right, to right. to um to Charlemagne the God, right, and his crew, right. and even Charlemagne the God was like, I, "What? Shut up! We're not going there, right?" I don't know if you, it. Look, I know a lot of accountants, accountants and lawyers. You do too. The the defining personality characteristic is they're rapacious. They'll take money from anybody. Um, it it it's crazy, and it's going to eventually. I've been, uh, it, I've been I, saying this, but is, I have no... What is? It's going to work. I, 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 I've, I've been, given up. I'm, tr I'm mean, trying to think of how to formulate anything this. Anything other than a... There is, there is it, nothing... Eventually there is gonna... no longer an Not even an objective media, but a media that is interested in anything the, other than advancing a narrative. True. The disadvantage... It's gone. The disadvantage of that, though, is, is that you keep making mistakes until eventually you make a big enough one that everybody has to notice. And that is the trajectory that this president is on. He is going to ultimately say something in public, on camera, that is going to be unavoidable. We're really close here. We are really close here. Yeah, this one's pretty darn close, especially given the, the whole narrative of the Democratic Party that if you're not a Democrat, you're a racist. Yeah, well, and so. the, I mean, the thing about it, Republicans, you know, we're used to the media being in opposition, so everybody's super careful and, you know, mentally clean um, about what they what they think and what they want to say. Um, President Biden is getting more erratic as it's going on, and that's a problem. Here, have, here, have 10,000 nuclear warheads. Yeah, well, the more, the more um, he's out there. I mean, this was a, another example where he left the bubble, right? He he went outside of Washington in the Delaware Washington corridor, right? So, yeah. Um, okay, so I had a little fun factoid. I didn't realize this. Uh -oh. Someone told me this. Yes. 
Guess what company owns 10% of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? Um, I, I think I know the four owners. Who do you have in mind? Shell. Yeah. I had I, no idea. I don't know if they own it. They have. Well, here's the deal. And this is, this is, this is, this is why you got to know something about the world, right? Because it's always interesting. Uh, the other owners, put that in quotes, right? Yeah. Have, have structured them as debt arrangements, not equity arrangements. So the Nord Stream pipeline actually owes them money. They don't own a piece of the pipeline. Got it. You follow me yes, so far? so far. It was designed specifically to elude sanctions, mm -hmm. which, you know, it. part of me loves because, you know, government says, hey, you know, we're going to sanction you and lawyers and accountants in the private sector, Shell apparently can hire those guys, um, spend a lot of time thinking, how are we going to get around this here government? So the revolutionary in me loves it. The American Emmy's like, yeah. Anyway, you're going somewhere with that. I'm going, what are, where I'm going I mean, with this is, I mean, it's is, it's all it's all it's all European energy companies. Yeah. Angie's got some. Well, where I'm know. going with this though is that um, companies like Shell and Exxon, uh, who are plain ball, as sure. you as you mentioned earlier, by uh, basically leaning on their trade association to play ball. Sure. Um, uh, can. Get around a lot of the sure challenges that they would otherwise have, and uh, and the the segue here is to get to your column. Ah, uh, which column? Your your Exxon column. Uh, what you do about nothing, which is a much better. They had much better title. <laughs> um, Shell Shell is. Can I stop you there? For for everyone out in the audience, um, I desperately need of help of people who can write titles for my columns because I'm just not good at it at all. I'm terrible at it. Go ahead. Shell is advocating for things like carbon taxes here. They've been pushing the um, trade association to Europe, you know, to basically sort of go by the way of Europe yep. in, in a large part because they already have to do that themselves, right? Because they're a European company. Yep. Um, Exxon, for example, advocating for a carbon tax. They, they announced a few years back hundreds of millions of dollars of, of investment in oil production in Guyana. So if you can drill for your oil in Guyana or you can be part of a conglomerate that pushes gas in Europe, right? Yeah, man. That is not these are the the larger point here is is these are not Amer these are not American energy company positions. No, of course. Right? Not. Yeah. I, and I'll go full circle back to Anwar I've been fighting for Anwar. For, I'll go full circle back, not circle back. <laughs> circle I'm not. Back. I'm not. Um, for years and years and years, the 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 move to open Anwar, right? You know, Senator Stevens with his Hulk tie, and we've come close a couple times. We had it in the Clinton budget. Yeah. The only people who were really lobbying hard for that pipeline, yeah. For I'm sorry for, to open Anwar, yeah, were. The unions, because of the jobs. Sure. The natives. The Alaska because yeah, of the jobs. Yep. Right? The companies themselves didn't really lift much of a finger. They didn't oppose it. They probably publicly supported it in most cases, but they didn't put any muscle behind it. No, of course not. Right? So, it, you can be for a carbon tax. Again, look at their disclosures. Sure, man. How much money are they actually spending? How much muscle? Uh, how, I'll, much, I'll... how much of their lobbying force 
are they actually putting into getting getting yeah, a carbon tax without, without giving anybody without giving any names out i guarantee you that if you looked at any of these companies what you would find is in the first quarter of 2020 and first half of 2021 they have spent most of their lobbying muscle energy time and cash saving their lifo on, on taxes last in first on out taxes. Uh, the global they've been fighting right. the global minimum tax right, right, the guilty right, right. the you know the book tax all this other stuff that's what they care about yep. they, don't, they don't i mean they're a little, little just pointing out a little bit of hypocrisy there you're a terrible but, person but the the last part of what i'll say is if you're in the media and you're listening to our podcast you need to get a better podcast you need to stop calling api the position of the oil and gas industry true and you need to start calling individual companies companies yeah the big guys the 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 bigger small guys if you will or axpc or ipaa because they are the voice of the oil and gas industry in this country the true voice especially of the IPAA. Oil and gas or call um, or call what's our uh, um call a friend of this program kathy's gamma or or western energy alliance yeah, western you. energy alliance so okay, I got that off my chest. This is a you feel better. This is a you know it's a cathartic. This, this it's a cathartic. A, yeah, this is we're, a venting we're episode gonna re, for we're all gonna, of us. We're going to rename the podcast the Catharsis. <laughs> okay, what else you got? Uh, I want to talk China. Okay, what do you want to say about China? I was having a, a nice conversation with my kids on the way to school yesterday, and we were talking about. After Memorial Day, of course, and, you know, we talked about the importance of, you know, remembering all the people who gave their lives and all that. And we were chatting about uh, the fact that there are a lot of, you know, challenges in this country that we have. Uh, you hear it all the time. Uh, it's almost like it's it's almost like ex nauseous, uh, uh, nauseating. Sorry. Uh, but can you. Can you imagine living in a country where the government tells families how many children they're allowed to have? And we talked about the fact that in China, the government, in their benevolent wisdom, has now liberated Chinese families, Chinese moms and dads, to have three children. They can have up to three children now. Isn't that nice? Isn't that kind and sweet of our of our fearless leader? Yeah, our dear leader. Yeah. Our dear leader. Yeah, the um, yeah, I saw that announcement, and you know, the China, the China's recently released census had a couple of had two really interesting things, right? One was that, right, the announcement, hey, you can have three kids, and you know, the Western press, God love them, um, they're just not interest they don't seem to be interested at all in anything material right so i went back and i looked and i said well that's interesting right they got rid of the two they got rid of the the um, one child one family um thing 20 years ago now right right at the top of the 21st century and it was mostly because they they saw the same demographic time bomb everybody else saw right that uh, china was aging rapidly rapidly as fast as the japanese right um so they announced, hey, you can have three. So I went back and I looked at their fertility rates. Now, their fertility rates since 1996 have remained essentially unchanged, right? They vary between 1.6 and 1.7. Replacement, the number of um, births um, per woman, right? 
And the replacement rate is 2.1, right? At 2.1, you're replacing your population. Above 2.1, you're growing. Below 2.1, you're shrinking. Mm -hmm. So they've been at 1.7 now for 25 years. That's an entire generation, actually, one, between 1.6 and 1.7, right? They have little variations in there. That's an entire generation of population decline. Um, and the Chinese, unlike the Americans, are not making up for it by um, immigration, right? Americans, our fertility rate is now 1.7, right? We've been on a steady decline since 1960 um, and crossed over the 2.1 threshold, I want to say about 10, 12 years ago. Um, difference is, of course, America got a, you know, essentially a... a, a unlimited amount of immigration it could take. It could take as many immigrants. If we opened the doors, we'd probably have 800 million people here tomorrow morning, right? Um, China can't do that. Um, so they're getting older before they get wealthier, and that's a huge problem for them. It's going to um, corrode their ability to um, project strength, to build an economy, to do all that stuff, right? Um for the communists, this is not a big surprise, right? People don't, you know, I get to this. I'm getting to this in my column for Monday. The The thing about it is, the thing about it is, is that um, you look at the nations and the ones that are religious um, are having kids, right? Nigeria's um, fertility rate is like 4.2. Uganda's like 5.2. Egypt's 3.6, something like that, right? Um, Pakistan is, you know, three and a half. Um, Afghanistan's is 4.6, I think, 4.5. So all these countries that are religious, doesn't matter what religion, right, just religious, um, they're doing fine. Countries that aren't religious, United States, EU, the average in the EU is 1.5, give you some sense of what kind of ditch yeah. they're in. Um, yeah, I've seen the numbers. They're, they're, they're in doing, a deep, deep They're, they're doing made, terrible, they're, right? They're not going to recover right. in a very, you know, for a very long time. I'm just a simple country boy. But when you look at all that stuff, you're like, oh, there's probably a pretty good degree of relationship between religiosity and, and birth rates, fertility rates. Um, so if you're a communist, you hate God and religion right out of the gate, your people are going to not procreate, right? And that's where China is. And that's where the Russians were right before they went under. Um it's bad. The other bad thing, the other census note, I mean, it's bad for the Chinese. It's not great for us either, right? It's, 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 a, it's a literally a generational problem. The other thing about the note that I found was interesting was that the Chinese finally put a, a number, but probably an inaccurate number, on their number of, on their, on their surplus of males. Um, there are 35 million more males than there are females in China. Yeah, can you, can you share with our listeners some of the reasons for that? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, there's there's one reason for it, right? It's because when they were having the one person, one child, one family, the Chinese preferred male children to female children. Yeah, so, and, gee, what, and, what were they doing to, and, in order to ensure that? And aborted the females um, and, if necessary, executed the female um, infants, right? It's a, it's a terrible... The, the, the terrible, terrible thing. Anyway, um, in normal populations, women outnumber men fifty-two percent to forty-eight percent. Right? It's, I mean, it's a ballpark, but it's it's a fairly steady number across societies, for obvious reasons. Right? Um, 
nature needs more females than males. You know, you can it can nature could probably get along pretty well with nature with 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 thousand nod to my sister. Almost no fee, almost no males and and a bunch of females. But I don't want to get into that because that I won't get you know statement against interest here. Um, it should be fifty two forty eight in China. It's fifty two forty eight the reverse. The thing is, is thirty five million males walking around without without. Um, Wives and children is a recipe for social discontent. You you literally can't have thirty five million folks walking around, even in a country of a billion people. You can't have thirty five million males completely unmoored to their society. Um, you know, just imagine. Well, let's just do a thought experiment. Think about the think about the 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 male you know in your life who hasn't been married and doesn't have kids. Now multiply them by thirty five million. See what you think. Um, and, you know, unlike American males who don't have wives and children, these guys aren't going to sit in their basements and play video games. <laughs> you know, they're going to do something something not good probably. So it was a great census note, really informative, um, and um, really bad news for the Chinese communists. And it's, hey, three kids. Guys, once people stop having kids, yeah, governments don't get them to restart. Yeah. That's the lesson we've learned in the last 50 years in the West – that's a lesson the Chinese have learned in the last thirty years, and you know, and and the funny thing is, everyone's like, "Oh, more government cash is the answer." If cash was a problem, the richest societies would not have problems, right? Cash is not the problem here. The problem is between the ears of people, yeah. and that's a hell of a lot harder to fix than cash. Indeed. So. Anyway, read the note. Go go out. Take a take take a spin on Google. Enjoy the Chinese census. Totally worth it. <laughs> okay, um, I probably need to get a life. <laughs> Vice President Harris had to do a little clean up on aisle five. I don't know if you caught that over the hey, weekend. Hey, enjoy the long weekend. <laughs> wow! And then she uh, banged out a, a quick tweet. Uh, you know. Uh, a few days later, throughout our history, our servicemen and women have risked everything to defend our freedoms and our country. We remember their service and their sacrifice. I mean, these guys, this is how they started the weekend. There was It wasn't just her. It was the boss, too. Yeah, it was the boss, too. No mention. No mention whatsoever. Enjoy the long weekend. Yeah, that's again, where that's where we are with these again. With this I'm, game. Again, I'm back to I'm back to questioning my initial take that these guys are professionals. It's a so, Memorial Day proclamation. It's not complicated. Yeah. Write a paragraph I, down. What I think is happening is is like these ESG, you know, geeks that are being planted in these companies. This is a gen, this is a generational thing because these kids are the ones who are drafting these tweets, right? It it's matter. not Scavino and Trump. It doesn't matter who run their Twitter feeds. It doesn't matter. So, I mean, you somewhere in that look, somewhere in that room, there's fifty I, year old people. Who I are don't like, think, hey man, I don't think it, it's moral. Day. I don't think it occurs to them until yeah, until I don't know after the, the fact. Yeah, I don't right? know. Who, I don't know who the staff secretary is, but I got to find out because it's just criminal that it's that it's this bad. I mean, it's this bad. It seriously. This is the simplest thing you can do, and they couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, guys, put those. If you hadn't seen it, I'll put those tweets in the show. You notes. should hack. So you know, it's it's anyway. All right, I got one more thing. What do you? All got? right, you got one more, and then I got a closing clip. Yay! Because we got to go to lunch. We do. Um, New Mexico, the congressional, the special congressional to replace Secretary Holland, mm -hmm. right out in New Mexico, in the District One, right, which is. The um, Santa Fe stretching off to the suburbs. Yeah, of this is the Holland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Holland seat. Yeah. Especially. So um, 
so the Democrat won. Melanie Stansberry won. Um, 60, 60, 36. 36. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 60, 36. Okay. So two things about that. One is that's about um, how much Deb Holland won by. In fact, it's almost exactly what Deb Holland won by, right? Um, but what was lost in there was how much money the Democrats spent, right? They outspent the Republicans 13 to 1 in a district that they won by 25 points, um, to what, 15 months ago, 18 months ago now. Um Gives you eight, no, not eighteen months. Six months ago, gives you some sense of um, gives you some sense of the importance they placed in this because yeah. they know that you know their their next congressional loss in a special is going to be catastrophic, right? Wherever it happens, it's well, going to be catastrophic. Well, the next one is Texas six. Yeah, Texas is that right, that they got July locked 27. out. Of, they got locked out of Texas, right. right? The next time the Democrat loses a special election, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a um, uh, fatal, right? It's going to be a real problem. So they they just they outspent the Republicans to just pour cash into that district. Um, the so I you know I it, it is what it is. The other thing that struck me about it was like I said the first thing a big overreaction by national Democrats, but maybe smart in the long term. The other thing that struck me about it was I went back and looked at the numbers real quick. In twenty sixteen, it was also a sixty thirty six. Um, in uh, 2018, um, it was 42. It was 58-42. Um, and then in 2020, it was 60-36. The only, the only possible explanation of, that, of the 2018 result is, um, and you're not going to like this, sports fans, and I'm not sure I like it, so I'm looking around for a different answer, is the presence of Donald Trump as president. Right, he was worth probably six points in that district. That is going to be analyzed pretty closely by the um, the NRCC and other campaign and the campaigns as they try. What we're all trying to do is figure out what is President Trump worth exactly? What's the net net on him um, in an election? Right, this is our first time we've had. If we a chance. had more time. I would bring up bring up that political article you sent me, but yeah. we don't. So so in you know in Texas. Um, president wasn't worth anything, um, you know, in the, in the final and the special, right? Because um, he waited too long to make an endorsement, and there were too many guys vying for the, you know, vying in the Trump primary. In New Mexico, we have an actual number in a general election now, um, and it seems to be about six points in a Democratic district. That is a big number, and um, suggests that if he wants to, if he can organize himself, if he can get some good political talent around him president could be dispositive in a bunch of different races this year. Just keep in mind those three ifs that I loaded that up with. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's probably some more analysis to do there. Oh, yeah. Uh, which we can kind of dig through and, and, and talk about. But the, the spin by the left is that this is clearly an indication that um, everything's the progressives fine. are Everything's just fine. fine. Everything's you know, fine. Biden's getting assuming you can out assume, yeah. assuming you can outspend thirteen to one yeah, in every district. Right. You're exactly. set. Yeah, in yeah, a yeah, district yeah. where you didn't have to shouldn't have spent it right, all. Exactly. Right, exactly. I I, so. I I guarantee you the smart guys in the Democratic Party are looking at that like that is not a good model. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've got one more I got a clip of the day. Yeah. It's kind of a little cross comparison between two presidents one former and one current um you might have seen this floating around too but uh i'll just set it up these are remarks 
that both presidents made, obviously in two different instances, uh, to the Coast Guard cadets. Coasties. The Coasties. You look. This is the Cheney thing. No, this is Reagan versus Biden. You ready? Uh, yeah, sure. My Coast Guard aides have been excellent. One of them taught me that. And I quote, the Coast Guard is that hard nucleus about which the Navy forms in time of war. <laughs> I can only assume that you will enjoy educating your family about how the Coast Guard is, quote, the hard nucleus around the Navy forms in times of war. You are quite, you're a really dull class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad comedian, so you're oh, an idiot. Oh <laughs> man, he didn't even. I mean, he he just butchered it to begin with. I, then he, <laughs> the look on his face was like priceless. It reminded me of the scene in Good Morning Vietnam, where the dude got fired and replaced by Robin Williams, yeah. and he told him, "I know I'm deep funny. down in my heart, I'm funny that I'm funny." <laughs> <laughs> Right. Only Reagan, baby. And they yeah. said he was too old and senile. Oh, That's what they said about Reagan. You know, that that there's advantages to spending your life in front of a camera, right? We're out of here. We got to go have lunch with Kathy. Take care, everybody. Peace.